It was not easy. I mean, you could just anybody no, couldn't do radio. You had to be a very quick study. And in fact, I think it's too bad now that the young kids don't have the opportunity of working in radio. It was a great training ground. Because mm -hmm. it was so mm -hmm. great as a training ground. I mean, we worked in front of audiences. We had a sense of comedy timing, you know, the audiences would <laughs> tell us. We, um, we worked, we had to be such quick studies. We had to be able to pick up a script. I remember one time I got a call uh, for a silver theater and the actress who had played the starring role opposite a Kirk Douglas had um, panicked. She was in pictures, oh. and, and she was a foreign actor. She had an accent, <laughs> and so she was very insecure about having you know, to do mm -hmm. it with so mm -hmm. little rehearsal. And they called me, and I had to go and be there and on the air within about 20 minutes and you know, read it cold, and it was a great challenge, but it was very exciting. <laughs> yeah. There's such an excitement about um, radio and the nostalgic feeling about radio. And even now, when I go to New York, and in, you know, I don't know where they come from, but those autograph people, you know, who are outside of Sardis in New York, uh -huh. and they always come up and say, "Hey, you know, you did Corliss Archer. Can I have your autograph?" And they remember radio. Are you ready for the ultimate test? Are you safe? The time is now on the Hollywood Radio Theater. This is the Zero Hour. The Hollywood Radio Theater. through Friday, a J.M. Colas Enterprises production, the Hollywood Radio Theater, presents an unusual tale of mystery and suspense. Every week, Monday through Friday, the Hollywood Radio Theater presents... I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Bill S. Ballinger's best-selling novel of the pursuit of a damned couple. The wife of the red-haired man. Starring Patty Duplaston. John Aston. In Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. I'm Les Davis. Hey, listen, if you're gonna go, go first class. WRVR in New York at 106.7 FM. Join me here weeknights at 8. No one needs a carved gourd from Upper Volta or a basket from the Cameroons. No one needs a horse blanket made in Niger by nomads for camels. No one needs a batik painting from Ghana or a crimson dashiki. But some people want to surround themselves with the beauty, the craftsmanship of a unique heritage. For those people, there's Ashanti Bazaar, 872 Lexington Avenue at 65th Street. 
Ashanti is African, and African is special. The colors are vibrant, the fashions flowing, the jewelry hammered and polished to brilliance. At Ashanti, there's a beautiful bracelet of amber and antique sterling beads made in Mali and a perfect gift for someone with a lot of style. At Ashanti, there's a splendid caftan of handwoven cloth in vibrant blues of West Indian design and a perfect present to give yourself. Because you've got a lot of style, you're where Ashanti Bazaar is at, 65th and Lexington. Hugh Rohan, supposedly killed in Vietnam, returns after an absence of seven years to find his wife remarried to Albert Turner. In a confrontation, Rohan, the red-haired man, panics and kills Turner. Mercedes Turner, still in love with Rohan, flees with him. She hurriedly gathers money and her jewels, buys a car, and then to escape New York and drive to Delaware. Two detectives, Williams from the 19th Precinct and Scores from Homicide, are assigned to the case. Williams finds that Mercedes Turner was secretly married to Hugh Rohan before her second unhappy marriage to Albert Turner. However, he doesn't know it was Rohan who shot Turner, nor is he yet aware that the fugitive Rohan even exists. But first, this word. How would you like to win one of the world's most exciting tape decks? The $1,000 four-channel TAC 3340S. The TAC tape deck that is just about every feature of a professional recording studio. Well, you may if you enter the FM Guide TAC four-channel sweepstakes. FM Guide, the monthly magazine which brings you in advance the best of the greater New York area's FM radio programs, wants to award you the incomparable TAC 3340S. The drawing will be held in New York City on October 1st, and you don't have to be present to win. Just pick up a copy of FM Guide's September issue in any newsstand, write your name and address on the cover, or a facsimile, and send it to TAC Contest, care of FM Guide, 1290 Avenue of the Americas, New York 1019. That's TAC 3340S, care of FM Guide, 1290 Avenue of the Americas, New York 1019. You could be the winner. to New York late at night after my Connecticut scouting expedition. I'd found that Mercedes Turner and a young red-haired man named Hugh Rohan had been in love and had gotten married. This confirmed my growing feeling that someone had been with Mercedes Turner when her husband had been murdered. Someone who was with her now as she ran from us. In the morning, Scores was waiting for me with additional medical examiner reports. Albert Turner was shot with a 32. One shot through the heart. Mm. Anything on that carpet stain? The one in the living room? Sterner's blood, all right. So that's where he was shot. Fingerprints? Well, someone cleaned up pretty well, the lab boys feel. You don't say. Yeah, they lifted prints on Turner, the maid, Mrs. Turner, some unidentifieds. But the doorknob, bar surface, phone, all clean of any prints. Hmm. That it? No, one thing more. They picked up a strand of red hair. Texture indicates it's a man's. Now, Thelma Jordan can't recall any visitor to the apartment who had red hair. Yeah. Now, where did I put that number in? What's up, Will? Maybe on to something. Get on the other phone. Right. Hello? Uh, Miss Battles? Uh, this is Detective Williams from the New York City Police. I spoke oh, to you yesterday. Mr. Williams, the paper says murder. You didn't say 
anything about murder. Mrs. Battles, tell me. After Mercedes' father annulled her marriage to Hugh Rohan, what happened to Rohan? Uh, the war happened. He went to Vietnam. And what then? I don't know. I guess he got killed over there. Why do you say that? Because Mercy loved you no matter how her father felt. If she remarried, it was because Hugh Rohan was killed in the war. All right, Miss Battles. Uh, uh, thank you for your help. Hmm. We found a strand of red hair belongs to a ghost. Yeah, right. The phone yesterday, you said she went to the bank first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Withdrew $4,500 cash. Collected maybe fifty grand in jewels from her safe deposit box. We got a description from the insurance company. And her mink coat, another uh, eight or nine grand? Yeah, probably. All right, send a description of the jewelry to all jewelry stores and pawnbrokers within two days' drive of here. And check out the sale of every new or used car within a couple of hours' drive from here. You think she bought a car? Yes, and I think she's going to start selling her jewels, and I think she's got a red-haired male companion. That ghost, huh? Right, right. I think she's traveling with a ghost. We woke to clear sunny skies, and Hugh seemed more cheerful than the night before. I wanted him to tell me more about what he'd said. That he was a convict. An escaped convict. Whenever I tried to ask him, he'd sense what I was about to say and avoid me. After breakfast, we left, drove to Fredericksburg, where we were married. Then we found another small vacation cottage nearly deserted by the season. Come inside. Hugh, what you told me last night. No. I'm not going to ask you any more about it. You'll tell me what happened when you want to. Or not at all. I love you. I have since the day we met. I always will, no matter what. Oh, mercy. Mercy. Look, someday I'll tell you. Someday, but but not just now, not yet. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cry on our wedding day. Well, you did last time. <laughs> yeah, I did. Because I was so happy. Come on, let's go inside. Not yet. I want to drive to the drugstore. What you told me last night what the police might have found. We have to do something about your red hair. Yes, then even if they're looking for two people, it won't be us. I'll be right back. You wait inside. <coughs> Janet Waldo, famous for her portrayal of Corliss Archer, as well as Judy Jetson, Penelope Pitstop, and Emmy Lou on The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, was featured in this episode of The Zero Hour. Well, I did a lot of, oh gosh, <laughs> well, actually, let's say it was radio. I did, I did some little theater and I did some other uh -huh. things before radio, but the first radio show that I was on actually was Lux Radio Theater, and I played a bit on that, and I worked with um, Jerry Hausner and Hans Conried, who are very uh, well-known radio people and have gone on to television, and uh, 
I remember thinking, gee, this must be a crazy business because Hans Conried <laughs> had one green sock on and one red sock. <laughs> I remember and, that. And Jerry Hausner <laughs> kept teasing me about taking, uh, he said, you know, they're getting younger every day coming into radio. They're taking jobs away from um, men with families. And it took me about two weeks before I realized that a man with a family couldn't have played my part. You know? <laughs> but I mean, I thought, gee, everybody in radio is crazy. And then I realized after I worked in radio that there's no medium as wonderful as radio. I think the people in radio uh, excel people in any other medium. They were, it was kind of like a big family, wasn't it, Sam? Yes, it was. And I don't blame there being nostalgia for radio because it was a wonderful era. Mm -hmm. Also in Ozzie and Harriet, I was supposed to say, and they were talking about the stock market, and I was supposed to say, oh, you know, hi, Mr. Nelson, are you a bull or a bear? <laughs> but, you know, I didn't know anything about the stock market, and I don't know what, my vision was good, I don't know what the problem was, but I said, hi, Mr. Nelson, are you a bull or a deer? <laughs> and he said, you know, there was this kind of beat, and then he said, I didn't know what I'd said wrong, and he said, uh, well, Emmy Lou, I'm really a bull, but you can call me deer if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a man who believes in ghosts. I recognize that things happen which can't be explained, and I accept the fact that not everything is written out in capital letters so even a small child will understand. But when the lab finds a single red hair from a male human, then a male human with red hair was in the room where that hair was found. Yet all our information led us to the conclusion that the man in question was dead. But there was still an unexamined part of Mercedes Turner's life. Neighbors named Layton, who lived in the apartment above. Well, you can imagine our surprise. We've been up in New Hampshire skiing, and we hadn't heard any news. And then on the way home today, we heard about it on the radio. How well did you know the Turners? Oh, casually. You know, you see them in the elevator and say hello, or they get out of a cab you get into. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Turner was shot Thursday night. I believe uh, you were here in town then. Yeah, we didn't leave until Friday afternoon. Well, sometime around midnight. We're not sure the exact time. Did you hear a revolver shot? My husband's a perfectionist about his hi-fi. We wouldn't have heard anything because this apartment's soundproofed. Uh-huh. What did you... What did you think of the Turners as people? Uh, as a couple? Mrs. Turner is a beautiful woman. I don't know about him. Oh? Uh -huh. Polite enough in the hall and lobby, but I never really liked him. Mm. Had a feeling he could be pretty unpleasant if he wanted. On the day of the shooting or that night... Did you see any strangers around the building? Oh, in New York, everyone's a stranger. How do you remember them? Only if they're acting suspiciously or someone's different. Uh, for instance, last Thursday in this neighborhood, did you see a man with red hair? Real red hair. What? Well, yes, I saw him. What was he doing? Walking down East Vanders in the rain. That's all, just walking and looking around as if he were searching for an address. Dying Hugh's hair brown changed his appearance remarkably. But very subtly, his attitude had also begun to change. Perhaps it was because my memories were of a younger, more innocent time, when the future was spread safely before us, ours for the taking. But by the time we left Fredericksburg, he'd become shifty, suspicious. I was driving. Richmond, Virginia. Why didn't we stay where we were? What was wrong with Fredericksburg? We can't stay in one place too long, and we're too close to New York, and we need money. What's needing money got to do with driving to Richmond? 
I have to begin selling my jewelry, Hugh. I don't want to do it in the same town where we were married. You're smart. I worked, you know, while you were gone. I had a good job before I married Albert. I made decisions. I functioned on an executive level. Better being stuck with me, is that what you mean? No, that's not what I mean. I love you. You know that. You must know that. Why, why else are we together? We're going to stay together. I'll take care of anyone who comes between us again. In Richmond, I found a company, the Dixie Jewelers, which bought and sold old jewelry. The man was nice and honest, but I was shocked at what I received from my cluster diamond earrings. How much did you get? $600. They were insured for $3,500 here. Where are we going now? You decide. You tell me where you think we should go. Mexico? We can get into Mexico and live there together. They'd never find us. Do you speak Spanish? No. Well, I don't either. You'd be terribly conspicuous. Well, then you decide. You pick a place. Just so we're together, that's all I want. That's all that's ever mattered to me. Do you think everything's gonna be all right? Why do you ask? Aren't you sure? I don't know. I'm no longer sure of anything. Those years and all those years, they take it away from you. Police work takes a lot of sweat and a bit of luck. We got our first break because New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut cooperate closely on car information. A woman answering Mercedes Turner's description had bought a used car in Jersey City, Jersey Plates. When we checked out the name and address she'd given for transfer of title, we found there was no such person and no such address. A teletype to the Delaware State Bridge Authority brought us further information. A trooper remembered the car because it was driven by a man with flaming red hair. The car had crossed the bridge at the end of the Jersey Turnpike. From there, it might have gone into Delaware, Maryland, or Virginia. I put out the car description and the Jersey plate numbers. Good. So there really is a red-haired man, huh? No ghost, a real live person. Hugh Rohan. I checked the registrar at his college. Annixter? Right. Got his records. Applied for entrance 1964 pre-med. Excellent grades, high school, Germain, Illinois. Lacking credits in Latin and chemistry, admission denied. Which is an unusual for students from small-town high schools. Well, how'd he make it up? Tutoring, usually. And that's what happened to Rowan, huh? Well, he didn't have the chance. Wasn't in school, so he was eligible for the draft. Oh, lousy. Instead of going to Annexter, Rohan went to Vietnam. Well, I was there for most, not all, but most of the sessions. I would go in and meet the performers quite a bit. You know, I don't remember socializing with Elliot or that kind of stuff. I don't know that we had any major personal time together. It was a fairly hectic schedule, but it was, but we got it done. Uh, several months later, after we were off the ground and there was a lot of publicity and all this kind of stuff, I get a call from AFTRA. They said, would you mind coming in? We'd like to meet with you. And I, so I go in and sit down and got a bunch of people around the table and boardroom thing and 
well, you know, we quoted you this, but now that you're a success, you know, you should be paying more, and here's what we think you ought to be doing, and it was, it was that kind of conversation, and anyway, all the, the union kind of stuff, although we were an AFTRA, we were doing it as an AFTRA signator, they were writing new rules or trying to get me to agree to a different financial model, and my entrepreneurial thing was kicking in. I said, here I created this thing, I've, you know, new jobs, all these people get whatever, and I was maybe very disillusioned. Now, keep in mind, I was relatively young. I hadn't been involved in the minefield that you end up going through, so mm-hmm. I was a little bit naive as well, but nevertheless, I was disillusioned. I said, hey, not, you know, the hell with it. With AFTRA's moving goalposts meaning that producing more episodes of the Zero Hour would cost significantly more money, in the fall of 1973, Jay Colos had to look for either a potential production partner or a buyer. In the meantime, the Zero Hour continued to air in syndication over stations like WRVR in New York. We drove all day under a sky the color of gray worsted. Occasionally, the wind tore narrow rifts through the overcast for a watery sun to peep through. We stayed that night at a motel. Our room was as impersonal as a rented locker. We tried having a drink to help us forget everything that had happened. It didn't work. Are you sorry you came? No. I had to come. You can't be sorry for what had to be. It's dark out. Yes. What are you listening for? Do you believe in, uh, in extrasensory perception? I don't know. Sometimes, maybe. But it'd take a lot of proving. I had a feeling this afternoon, a sudden, uh, sort of peculiar, odd, like, like intuition. A message said, the chase has started. They're looking for a couple. There's no way you can know that. Oh, yes. Yes, there is. The cons used to talk about it. I, I didn't believe it, but I do now. No. There's no way you know that's true. It's like telepathy, as if, as if some cop's thoughts are being transmitted to me. Not all the time, just now and then. Just a little bit now and then. Where are you going? There's a car parked out there. Michigan plates. I'm going to get rid of our Jersey ones. Here are the records and Rohan's prints from his army induction. He disappeared on a patrol in Vietnam in 1965. Missing in action, presumed dead. Mm-hmm. We got anything on our wanted flyers? I think we did, Will. A couple of days before Albert Turner was shot, three cons broke out of Bodo Prison in Canada. Now, two of them were recaptured, but one is still at large. And that one's got red hair. What name? 
John Red Cargill. Siemens papers. Three to ten for false passport, illegal entry, and smuggling. He'd served seven when he split. Cargill's prints match Rohan's. Picture of Cargill? Correspondence Bureau received a telephoto copy of him from Montreal. Right here. Yeah. That's oh, funny. I knew he'd look like this. Good features, clean cut, sensitive mouth, eyes. I could see him in my mind. Yeah. Guy like that, seven years in prison. <laughs> He'd probably crack open pretty easy. But, well, the trouble is, we we don't really know if he shot Albert Turner. Rohan and the Clinton girl were married when they were kids or old man. I know the marriage. Wait a minute. When the woman's safety deposit was opened... The... What's the matter? What's bugging you? This list of contents. Insurance policies, empty silk jewel case, title to co-op. Uh, here we are. Why would she keep an empty envelope? Oh, probably she didn't bother to throw it out. Or maybe there was a return address on it. Who are you calling? Banners, DA's office. Find out if there's a name and address on that envelope. We didn't stop again until we reached Kansas City. We had run from the Atlantic to the Midlands. Hugh's mood varied from moment to moment. Sometimes he was cheerful and optimistic, and I had hopes, against my better sense, that perhaps something would work out for us. But then he'd plunge into gloom and despair. And try as I might, I, I could see no future for us except to run until we were caught. Perhaps he felt the same way in that tiny Kansas City hotel room. Oh, Hugh, please put that gun away. I need it. Reminds me of prison. What I may need to do so I don't go back there. You have to get rid of it. It's direct evidence. I won't let matters get that far. Why did you marry Turner? I told you why. You were gone so long. I tried to convince myself that I didn't love you anymore. But the moment you came back, it was the same way it had always been. Isn't that enough? But now you're... What do you think? What are you thinking? That I'm different? That I'm not the same? We've both changed, darling. I no longer know what you think or feel either. Both of us together, possibly we can make one whole person. Banners in the DA's office gave me the name on the empty envelope we'd found in Mercedes Turner's safety deposit box, Sayer and Bates Attorneys. I talked to Arnold Bates, the junior partner. He was very cooperative. He told me he'd handled an Enoch Arden decree for Mercedes Clinton against Hugh Rohan not quite two years earlier. The marriage had been secret, and Mercedes Clinton Rohan had wanted the decree kept secret. Her father was an old man in poor health, and she hadn't heard from her husband Hugh in seven years. He was presumed dead. You mean they were married a second time? Right. After Lyman Clinton had the first marriage annulled, they were married again secretly, just before Rohan was sent to Vietnam. Where he goes out on a patrol and disappears. To surface again in a Canadian jail under another name. Uh-huh. Well, whatever names they use, Will, we got a description, we got his prints, and we know their car. We're gonna get him. Yes, I think we will. 
Any reports on the jewelry? Not yet. Keep after it. They're going to need money. Tonight, the temperature for Kansas City and vicinity should dip to 39 degrees. It will be cloudy tomorrow with a chance of snow flurries. How long are we going to stay here? Oh, another day or so. Got to move on. Get out of the country. We need money to do that. Hugh, don't the police get reports on pawned articles? Yeah. So I've heard. Instead of pawning my things... I'll run an ad in the paper and sell them myself. That's dangerous. No, I don't think so. Kansas City is a big place. The police won't pay any attention to a newspaper ad. And then we'll move on? Yes. Hugh, I promised I wouldn't ask you about prison, and I'll keep that promise. I don't want to talk about it. But we must get out of the country. To do that, we'll need passports. Well? Do you know anyone? Someone who could get us passports? In prison, I knew... We have to leave the country. Yeah. Yeah. I know someone who might. But uh, it's expensive. We'll get the money. We have to buy passports. I think we've run as far as we can. I have personal reasons for wearing this mask. Mm. Now, I'm telling you. No, I'm not an outlaw. Get up, come on, get up. Get up. Oh, go, 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 go now, easy. That's for trying to draw a sneak gun. No, Toto. Toto and I moved back into the timber ways. Okay. Bartender? Yes, sir. How'd you like to peek under my mask? Listen to The Lone Ranger Tuesday night, partner, at 7.30 on RVR. This time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, The Wife of the Red-Haired Man. I'm Rod Serling, and this is The Zero Hour. Listening to the Hollywood Radio Theater's presentation of The Zero Hour. Heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. This week, in Bill S. Ballinger's The Wife of the Red-Haired Man, Patty Dugaston is Mercedes, John Astin is Rohan, and Howard Duff is Detective Williams. Featured in the cast are Harold Gould as Detective Scores, Mary Jane Croft as Clara, Janet Waldo as Mrs. Layton, and Ruth Ashton Taylor as the weather girl. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Jack Myers is the executive producer, and Karen Lee Cohn, associate producer. Music conducted and composed by Stanley D. Hoffman. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme 
was played by Ferrante and Teicher. It is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. This has been a J.M. Colas Enterprises production. Hugh Douglas speaking. Tune in tomorrow, and once again, rest your eyes and listen here to The Zero Hour. is on WRVR. RVR's got lots of jazz. The jazz place is RVR. Jazzy people listen to us. RVR is jazz. And jazz is in. Jazz is on WRVR. In the morning. In the evening. Have we got jazz? Yeah. This is Van Jay reminding you that you're listening to Jazz and Talk Radio, WRVR in New York, 106.7 on your FM dial. WRVR presents a festival of old radio. Each weeknight at this time, WRVR presents a classic radio drama to give you an experience in imagination.